ServiceNow is the intelligent platform that puts AI to work for people across every corner of your business, all in a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Los Angeles, California, a city known for sun, surf, and celebrities. Can you show us a smile? I'm getting a quick selfie. But its residents are obsessed with something else. Water. I talked to a few of them on the street, and it seemed like everybody had something to say. Growing up in California, like, water's always been an issue. I do think a lot about water and where it comes from. I've gone through many droughts here. If I see, like, any tabs open somewhere in a gym, maybe I tell them to shut it off. I remember when I was in college, they had little timers in the shower, so you didn't take too long of a shower. It was like 10 minutes. (laughs) A lack of water in Southern California isn't exactly a new problem. It's been a point of contention for over a century. It's caused so much drama, in fact, that many historians refer to the early 1900s as a time of California's water wars. That was the true story that inspired the 1974 movie Chinatown. Yeah, it's not really about Chinatown. It's about water. They're blowing these farmers out of their land and then picking it up for peanuts. You have any idea what this land would be worth with a steady water supply? About 30 million more than they paid for it. On average, the Los Angeles area gets about 14 inches of rain per year, nowhere near enough to sustain 13 million people who live in and around the city. Between October 2019 and October 2022, California recorded its driest years on record. In fact, the whole Southwest has been in a years-long drought. Though this year's wet winter has helped alleviate some of the water stress in California, the drought isn't over yet, and it likely won't be the last one. State officials say climate change will lead to longer and more severe droughts in the future. That could put further strain on L.A. sources of water. People are doing what they can to try to conserve water. So I just checked into my hotel and I see this thing on the nightstand that says every drop counts. Be conscious. Use less water. But it's increasingly clear that to keep taps from running dry, L.A. is going to have to find a new solution. I mean, in a way, L.A. is the poster child for importing water and growing unsustainably. That's Greg Pierce, the co-director of the Water Resources Group at the University of California, Los Angeles. We chatted in a park, so you might hear some cheeps and chirps. His research focuses on access to water, an issue he says will only get more urgent in many parts of the world, including Southern California. We've been really, really low on precipitation for a long time. So the Metropolitan Water District of Southern California, which provides water to the region's 19 million people, has a bold proposition. Instead of treating wastewater and releasing it to the ocean, it wants to reclaim that water and add it back to the drinking water supply. As people will say, a lot of water everywhere is sort of recycled water. So the fact that it's coming more directly from wastewater doesn't bother me. And I get at the same time that it takes some learning and that people are hesitant unless it's sort of properly socialized. Versions of water recycling have been around for a while, and some past projects have been scuttled because of public opposition. But given California's troubles with water, Governor Gavin Newsom has said this time might be different. Water recycling is about finding new water, not just accepting the scarcity mindset, being more resourceful in terms of our approach. From The Wall Street Journal, this is the future of everything. I'm Alex Osula. Today, we're looking at one possible solution to the water woes in Southern California. 
But first, the people there have to get past the ick factor. Stick around. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the big hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, and providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier. All built into a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more. L.A. is dry, so it can be surprising to learn that a river runs through it. I went to see it with Greg Pierce from UCLA. He grew up in nearby Orange County, but he says he didn't know L.A. had a river until he moved here 20 years ago. We're looking at the Los Angeles River, which flows really all the way up from above downtown Los Angeles down to the ocean and through much of the city of L.A. The river was an important part of L.A.'s early history. It was one of the first sources of drinking water, which helped the city grow. But unpredictable and catastrophic flooding also impeded that growth. There were three major floods between 1861 and 1938, which killed residents and damaged infrastructure. As a result of these floods, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers channelized about 50 miles of the river, meaning that the riverbed and banks are paved over with concrete. We visited an area called Maywood, about a 10-mile drive southeast from downtown L.A. There was a bike path next to the river channel, but not much actual water. The background noise you hear is partly the little water there is and partly traffic on a bridge going over the river channel. Generally not the most aesthetically pleasing place to be, although we're right next to a park and there's a lot of efforts to make parts of the river much more accessible and for recreation. And you know. Today, the Los Angeles River doesn't directly supply any of the city's drinking water. Most of it comes from elsewhere. About half of it is imported from Northern California and from the Colorado River. But these water sources are increasingly strained. Last year, California's snowpack, which supplies about 30% of the state's drinking water, hit its third lowest measurement on record, though recent storms have built the snowpack back up. The Colorado River is also running low. Lake Powell, one of the river's biggest reservoirs, hit record low levels earlier this year. And the seven U.S. states and Mexico that rely on that river for water have been fighting over how much they can take. This water scarcity is not good news for thirsty Southern California. We are desperate for new water supply sources across Southern California, particularly in L.A. Since the 90s, there's been pushes, but the urgency around those pushes has really picked up in the last six to eight years since the last drought. One possible solution is something kind of icky. I went to Carson, about 15 miles south of L.A., to see just how Southern California might get some of its water in the future. Hi, my name is Rupam Soni, and I am a community relations team manager for the Metropolitan Water District of Southern California. Sony was meeting me to give me a tour of a recycled water demonstration facility. Since it opened in 2019, Sony says about 8,500 people have visited, and even more people have done tours online. On the day that I visited, it was windy, and the larger sanitation complex next door made it smell faintly of sewage. Oh, 
and it was noisy. Like so noisy that they have earplugs on hand out of a kind of gumball machine. The thing that's making a lot of that noise is a key part of the process. We'll get to that in a little bit. This demonstration facility is sort of a proof of concept for the larger facility that the Metropolitan Water District hopes to construct in the coming years. That facility would provide water for up to 15 million people and could replace about half the region's imported water. They're calling it Pure Water Southern California. At the Pure Water Southern California demonstration plant, we have a three-step purification process. We're here at the first step right now. These are membrane bioreactors. The first step is kind of two processes in one. The water coming in has already been treated to the level where it's okay to release into the ocean, so most of the solids have been removed. That water is brought into these massive 80-foot-long concrete tanks. These concrete tanks can fill hundreds of thousands of gallons of water. What's also inside these concrete tanks is microorganisms, billions and billions of billions of them. The microorganisms feed on any remaining organic matter that might be in the wastewater. Those microorganisms also remove any remaining nitrogen, much of which comes from human waste. That's allowed to be released into the ocean, Sony says, but not so great for people to drink. After a few hours, the microbes in those tanks have done their work, and the water flows through a membrane at one end. It's like a curtain of long white fibers. Kind of like spaghetti, huh? They're straw-like, which means they have a tiny hole through the inside, but they also have very tiny holes all along the outside. Really tiny holes that you only can see under a microscope. We apply a vacuum and it pulls water molecules through the tiny holes and through the inside of the membrane fibers. That water is clean, it's ready for the next step in the purification process. The next step is called reverse osmosis. It's already used in other water recycling plants and is the same basic principle behind some water filtration systems people have in their homes. Except here, the setup is a lot bigger. And this is really the workhorse of the purification process. Here we can remove over 99% of the materials in the water. Microbes, extra nitrogen, salts, even some worrisome chemicals like PFAS chemicals. Sony says reverse osmosis removes it all. And the way it works is we apply a really high pressure on these reverse osmosis membranes, about 180 pounds per square inch. It's like carrying an elephant on the palm of your hand, just to give you an idea of how intense this pressure is. These membranes are housed in another set of long white tubes, about as wide as an open hand. The facility has rows and rows of them. You can't see this from the outside, but Sony tells me that inside, water comes in the sides of the tube and gets sucked towards the middle, leaving the contaminants behind in the layers of densely rolled membrane. That's also the noise you're hearing in the background. It makes a lot of noise, and that's just because of the pressure we're applying through. Okay, on to step number three. The water flows under an ultraviolet light, and there's advanced oxidation. So ultraviolet lights, it's really effective at removing viruses. At this point, that's all that would be in the water, maybe. The UV bulb is long and bluish, but from the outside, it just looks like a narrow silver tube. Sony says treating the water with UV takes less than a minute. She'd been showing me beakers of water after each step in the process. Now, she holds up the clearest water I've seen so far. What you get at the end of the day is water that looks like that. Purified, near distilled in quality. In fact, the water is so filtered that the Metropolitan Water District would have to add minerals back in so it tastes like the rest of the water in the system. 
but there's only one way to know for sure. Uh, I know. I know. I want to try it, too. (laughs) But because this is a demonstration facility, Sony gave me the bad news. We weren't allowed to take a sip because it hasn't been cleared for human consumption. What would it taste like if you tasted this? It would taste like water. (laughs) It takes two or three hours for water to move through the demonstration facility. If things stay on track, the district could be recycling up to 150 million gallons of water per day by 2035. Treating water to the degree that it could be quickly consumed again doesn't exactly sound appetizing. Sony told me about it in the quieter education trailer next to the demonstration facility. This program would provide a new supply of water by reusing water that we're already using here in Southern California and currently cleaning and sending it to the ocean. But for districts looking for new sources of water, treating water without putting it back into an aquifer, the technical name, by the way, is direct potable reuse, is appealing. It requires less energy than desalination, which also means it's cheaper. It's already in use in places like Singapore and Namibia. And the idea has started to catch on elsewhere, including in the U.S. If it's built, the Metropolitan Water District's facility would recycle the most water by volume of any facility in the country. And that water would either be pumped into the ground or be sent to another facility where it would be added to the drinking supply. But people in Southern California may still need to be convinced. What we hear from a lot of people is that the source of the water is something that's not enticing to them. So yeah, you can call it, it could be the yuck factor. But when you have an understanding of the big picture, that yuck factor goes away and there's support built for the project. Building that support may be crucial if the water district wants to use recycled water to keep taps from running dry. Because in the past, big, expensive water projects have been called off because of public opposition. We'll dig into the potential obstacles to recycled water after the break. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. When people hear about the plan to recycle wastewater into drinking water, the knee-jerk reaction can be one of discomfort. I heard some of that when I was talking to people on the streets of L.A. about their water. I asked Raya Brodsley and Jose Ruiz about it one night on Melrose Avenue, just on the edge of Hollywood. So on a, like, a visceral level, I'm thoroughly horrified. Oh, no. (laughs) That's crazy. That they're going to use wastewater so we could drink it? I don't know. Maybe it's... I don't know. I don't think this... It doesn't sound right. That's why. Maybe it doesn't sound natural. In the past, that discomfort over drinking what used to be wastewater has led to action. Since the 1990s, there have been attempts to launch water recycling programs in San Diego and in the city of Los Angeles. To be clear, many of those early plans involved putting treated water back into an aquifer before it was pumped out to drink, not direct potable reuse, but critics shut them down. Their biggest complaint purifying water this way is unnatural and kind of gross. 
Also, opponents wondered, how can you be sure all the bad stuff's out before people drink it? Government standards dictate the safety of the drinking water supply, and there's no scientific evidence that recycled water, treated to meet those standards, is unsafe. But a lot of that fight from decades ago still influences the way recycled water is talked about today. Muriel Watson, a retired school teacher, helped lead the charge against San Diego's proposed plan. She was a member of an activist group called the Revolting Grandmas. She and the group's co-founder have since died, but in 2007, Watson talked to NPR. I'm all for recycled water, but don't put it in our reservoirs or our, or our drinking fountains. You know, why take the chance? Other early critics included the Miller Brewing Company. It sued the Upper San Gabriel Valley Municipal Water District, that's northeast of Los Angeles, back in 1994 to stop a recycled water plan. The suit was settled in 1996, and the facility was never built. One of these critics, there's some debate over who, even made up a not-so-flattering tagline for water recycling. UCLA water access expert Greg Pierce knows it well. The more intuitive but really mischaracterizing way that people have opposed direct potable reuses talk about toilet to tap. You know, that's a phrase that came up a lot. Toilet to tap. Toilet to tap. Toilet to tap. And even though it's decades old, it's a tagline that the proponents of recycled water just can't seem to flush, even as the public and experts agree they have to do something drastic to keep water flowing in the West. Like, there's no easy solution. So, yeah, we have to do things that don't sound great, like treating our wastewater and aren't particularly sexy and do cost something. But that's the reality of survival in the West at this point. To be clear, water officials are trying other things, like desalination and encouraging people to use less water. But water recycling is still an option many want to have available. Back in the late 1990s and about 40 miles south of L.A., Orange County water administrators wanted to build their own recycled water facility. Similar plans in nearby San Diego and L.A. had failed because of the ick factor. Orange County water authorities didn't want their project to meet the same fate. Our outreach team thought of it differently and said, well, we can't let that happen. Let's educate as many people about what we're doing, even in the early phases of design, and let's get them to physically sign a letter of support. Sandy Scott Roberts is the Groundwater Replenishment System Program Manager for the Orange County Water District. We talked about it while walking around the absolutely massive OCWD campus. That facility is different from the one we walked through earlier because this treated wastewater goes into an underground aquifer. So in Orange County, demands are met by 85% from the Orange County Water District through our groundwater basin. And we manage that groundwater basin every year by ensuring we put sufficient water back in, hence the groundwater replenishment system. We are recycling our wastewater and turning it into a drinking water and replenishing our groundwater basin. You've probably already realized the efforts to win over the public there worked. Construction started in the early 2000s, and the facility came online in 2008. This year, its final expansion was completed. So it can now produce up to 130 million gallons of water per day to send back into that aquifer. It was a successful project. It was able to be constructed with actually very little opposition. So um, I think that outreach was a huge part of it. We do like to say... The engineering and the science is pretty solid, but the public perception is sometimes the hardest thing to overcome. So it was kind of a good thing that we had that outreach, and without it, I don't think this project could have been possible. 
the Metropolitan Water District is hoping a similar playbook will win over the public. It's launching its pure water efforts at a time when polling shows that most Californians consider the recent droughts to be extremely serious. When I spoke to some L.A. residents on the street, most hadn't heard of the pure water plan. But when I gave them the broad strokes, they were supportive. This is Sachin Patekar and Melissa Davis, who I talked to on a cold night in Culver City. If they can confirm it's going to be equally uh, like clean, then it's, it's a good thing. I feel like it could be a good idea, but it would definitely need a lot of filtration. And, and I, I need to look into it a little bit more about like how they were really going about it. But I mean, it would recycle the water and make it so we don't run out. So that, I mean, that sounds like an okay thing to me. <laughs> to be clear, running out of water right now isn't as much of an issue for LA as it was months ago. After the wet winter, Governor Newsom recently lifted many drought restrictions, even though he said the drought isn't over yet. Proponents say recycling would help make the water supply less subject to boom and bust cycles, particularly during drought. Rupam Soni, who gave us a tour of the demonstration plant, says that education is the key. There's some people who you can never change their mind. I think we all come across those people. So you give them the information, you know, we provide them with information. We're a resource for them. We really try our best to build trust and build understanding. And it does get a lot of people on board. And it does get a lot of people who then want to go talk about it with others. So that's what the Metropolitan Water District would have to do to win over the public. But there are other obstacles. One is regulations. While California does have rules around adding treated wastewater back into groundwater, it doesn't currently have a framework for adding it more directly to the drinking water. The California State Water Resources Control Board is expected to vote this fall on new rules, which would establish things like safe levels for contaminants and monitoring requirements for facilities doing direct potable reuse. In other words, it would provide guidelines for the Metropolitan Water District to put that part of its pure water plan into use. Even with state regulations to guide them, the Metropolitan Water District would need to do a lot of coordinating with its 26 member agencies to make sure that the treated water has somewhere to go. And then there's the money. Metropolitan's project, which would include the water purification facility and up to 60 miles of pipeline, was estimated to cost more than $3 billion in 2018. They're working on an updated estimate, but inflation has likely pushed that cost even higher. Residents would shoulder some of that cost. But if it can overcome these hurdles, Metropolitan's facility could be one of the first large-scale direct potable reuse systems in the country. Pierce suspects it won't be the last. So recycled water is the <laughs> quote-unquote new water supply technology source that you can do at scale. And I think you're going to see it all over the place by 2050. San Diego, El Paso, and Phoenix all have recycled water plants in the works that, if they stay on track, would be operational by 2035. And Pierce predicts direct potable reuse could even take on different forms in the coming decades. Yeah, if we're talking about 2100 or something, I think you'll see the possibilities for direct potable reuse, even maybe decentralized, have it in your home and have it at, you know in any smaller urban area that you can think of. So I think it it has implications for everywhere. Among those implications, Rupam Soni from the Metropolitan Water District says it's empowering to know where your water comes from, no matter the source. 
when we host tours here and we have people here, they're just amazed to see so much water infrastructure. Like you, you don't think about where your water comes from, where it goes. Here you see all of it. You know what happens what to the water when it, you pour it down the drain, how we're purifying it, how it's going to eventually end up as your tap water, and really build support not just for this project, but public drinking water supplies and infrastructure. The Future of Everything is a production of The Wall Street Journal. Stephanie Ilgenfritz is the editorial director of The Future of Everything. This episode was produced by me, Alex Osula. Our fact checker is Aparna Nathan. Jessica Fenton and Michael Laval are our sound designers. And Scott Salloway is our supervising producer. Editorial support was provided by Philana Patterson. Like the show? Tell your friends and leave us a five-star review on your favorite platform. Thanks for listening. ServiceNow is the intelligent platform that puts AI to work for people across every corner of your business, all in a single platform you can use right now. That's why the world works with ServiceNow.